0: Nice job from this audience. Well done out of the gates with the comments before the show even starts on our social media platforms. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports, covering the Big 12. Separation Saturday. That is from Bob on YouTube Live, and that's exactly what Saturday felt like in the Big 12 on February 10th. Great to have you here. If you're on YouTube, hit that thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. We've always got you covered on everything Big 12. And same thing on the podcast. Leave me a five-star rating and review. Takes you less than a minute. And it's a nice way to give back as we keep building this show with you, the diehard Big 12 fan. So Saturday was a different day in the Big 12 because the favorites actually had a good day. Not just in terms of winning outright, but covering the spread in many cases as well. Kansas won as a favorite. Houston favored. Iowa State favored. BYU favored. Texas Tech favored. Texas favored. And Oklahoma favored. The favorites all won outright in this league. That's something that we have not said in a very long time in the Big 12 basketball season, but here we are. So we're going to go through these games and then talk about how, yes, it is starting to separate In this conference, when you look at the regular season standings, the game of the day was Kansas hosting Baylor top 15 matchup. Kansas was without Kevin McCullough. And you're wondering, can Baylor get itself in the mix here? And Kansas came out pretty hot, but Baylor just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. And then in the final 30 seconds, Baylor had two great looks. At three-pointers to tie this game to send it to overtime, and they missed them both. One from the right corner, one from the top of the key, and Kansas hangs on for the 64-61 victory. Now, Kansas, of course, beat Houston last Saturday, lost to K-State on Monday. They bounced back with this win over Baylor. This is the kind of game for the Kansas Jayhawks that they hang on for dear life to win and then can turn out to actually propel this team to a deep run in March because of what they learned and what they got out of this game. You know, without McCullough, what happened? Well, they had to turn to guys like Nick Timberlake. Now, Timberlake had a blown defensive play on the first opportunity for Baylor from the right corner to hit that three pointer. But he also had some big three pointers of his own in the second half. When guys like Nick Timberlake can step up and can give you a little confidence and give himself a little confidence and give a little depth to this rotation come March, and you're able to pick up a win against a top 15 team without Kevin McCuller, that is an incredible sign for Bill Self. So he has got to be fired up coming out of that game because there's so much that he can look back to and say, gosh, we struggled here. We had some issues there. I mean, they couldn't buy a three-point bucket on Saturday in Allen Fieldhouse. They got out-rebounded by 17. I mean, there was a lot of reasons to suggest Kansas should have lost this game. If you told me Kansas scores 64, I say they lose by 8 to 10 points easily. Yet, you know, Baylor couldn't really get itself going. Baylor, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league, really, uh, you know, struggled throughout this game. And that was evident as well on Saturday. So they only shot 31% from downtown, but you know, KU was even worse. So KU, worse from downtown. They had less free throw attempts than Baylor, which is very rare for an opposing team in Allen Fieldhouse. And they got out-rebounded by double digits. Now, where did Kansas win this game? Turnovers. Baylor being in this game despite 21 turnovers is a shock. You turn the ball over 21 times on the road in Allen Fieldhouse, you're screwed. Baylor hung in this game. But of course, they come up short, they got to be kicking themselves going back to Waco. And for KU, uh, this game is huge for so many reasons. It keeps them one game back in the conference standings. They're still in the mix. They got to go to Lubbock for a big Monday game coming up here. So to dodge the bullet that they dodged with Baylor not playing their best basketball, being without McCuller, is absolutely enormous. That's a big deal and a big win. For KU and Baylor's got to be kicking themselves a little bit. So, uh, next up, as we bounce around uh, the Big 12 and the games that were on Saturday, Houston hangs on 67 to 62 on the road against Cincinnati. What a great environment that was, by the way. Not that I expect anything less at Cincinnati. The football environment also appears underrated. I admit, <laughs> surprise in the league for a hot minute, but the football environment looks very good. Our Matthew Postons was at their first game against OU and their basketball environment looks great. So Cincinnati is quickly moving up my bucket list of big 12 places. I've got to get to that place was um, rocking on Saturday and it was a lot of fun to watch. But in the end, you know, as you're watching this game down the stretch, it, it just it felt like Houston had. The experience, Houston had the depth, and it felt like even when Cincinnati was making its run, Houston was going to be able to hang on for this win. And that's exactly what happened in this game. And with that victory, Houston was able to put themselves in a position where they've still got first place locked down in the Big 12 Conference. They're a half game ahead of Iowa State, who we'll get to shortly. They have that depth. They continue to, uh, you know, play outstanding defense, even when they're not at their best offensively. And Houston, you want to talk about bad shooting. Houston, I had to look it up before we came on the show. I knew they were terrible from three-point range. I would not have guessed they were this bad. They were three of 16 from three-point range. Now, Houston's not going to be a team that necessarily lights you up from downtown. They don't, You know, they're like middle of the pack when it comes to three-point shooting. But to look at Houston and see them go three of 16 from three-point range is just horrible. But, you know, they limit their turnovers. They've always done a good job at that. They win the turnover battle. They win the rebounding battle. You do that on the road, and you got the defense this team has. You're going to find yourself in a very good spot. And that's exactly what the Houston Cougars got out of the team on Saturday. So. Uh, it is, it is right now Houston's, I know they're only a half game up. And I know of course, Iowa state has the head to head over the Houston Cougars, but just watching them night in night out. I feel like as we approach the midway mark in February, they're the team to beat, but here's the thing. They've got back-to-back games starting next Saturday, home to Iowa state at Baylor, those two games right there. In fact, that Iowa State game may end up being for a quasi, you know, Big 12 championship when we look back on the season. That is going to be an enormous game. And how that game is on ESPNU next Saturday is mind-boggling to me. What the hell is ESPN doing? How is that game on ESPNU? Why don't they put the damn game on ESPN Plus for crying out loud? I mean, that should be prime time ESPN, just like KU Baylor was. Top 15 matchup, first place, likely on the line in the best conference in college basketball. I know it's not your blue blood, as I throw out my air quotes, but what is ESPN thinking not having that game on its biggest platform next Saturday? Two top 15 teams? What a joke. I mean, could you disrespect the Big 12 anymore? If that is a clash for first place in this conference, and ESPN does not switch that to its main channel, hell, can we get ESPN 2, please? Would that kill you to put the game on ESPN 2? Apparently it might. That's, what a bad job by ESPN if they end up keeping that Houston-Iowa State game on ESPNU, and it is for first place in this league. Wow. So uh, the Cougars do have that half-game lead after the win over Cincinnati. Now Iowa State stays a half-game back beating TCU 71 to 59 and uh, rest in peace by the way to Jamie Dixon's dad who passed away last week in California. Jamie was obviously coaching with a heavy heart um, and TCU just came out so slow in this game. Now give Iowa State credit. You know, they didn't win this game in their traditional transition turnovers transition offense that they like they actually didn't force a ton of turnovers against TCU TCU only had 12 turnovers in this game after Iowa State forced 27 turnovers last time these two teams met in Fort Worth a few weeks back so TCU limited its turnovers but for TCU I mean they were just struggling to shoot the ball especially from three-point land And they had a couple of runs in them, especially in that second half late, but Iowa state just continued to kind of fight away to chip away. And the thing that you got to love about Iowa state is you never know who's going to show up. Who's going to be that guy that gives you 15 points in a given night. Saturday was Trey King is a uh, good output as well but all in all i mean you just you don't know is it jones is it king is it lipsky i mean you know we can go down this list and you can find probably a good 5 to 6 guys that on any given night could lead you with that 15 point game and that's what makes iowa state pretty tough to defend and you know what when they're shooting the way they're shooting 42% from 3 and they're doing it the way they did it, I mean, that's that's something. And Curtis Jones, I mean, that guy was money on Saturday. When you're shooting it like that, when Jones is hitting and knocking down his threes, um, it's a very difficult team to beat. When they're winning in ways that they typically don't win, that's impressive for Iowa State. But Hill and Coliseum is quickly becoming similar to Allen Fieldhouse. And if you're able to get a win there, gosh, I mean, it it just feels like two in some respects. That's how difficult a place Hilton Coliseum is becoming to play. And Iowa State fans should be very proud of that. And obviously that's because Coach Ott's has spies behind the opposing team's bench, obviously, right? That's a wink-wink, nod-nod, tongue-in-cheek. Don't freak out, Iowa State fans. I'm making a joke here, okay? Follow me on the sarcasm. I hope you did. (laughs) But uh, it it was a very good win for Iowa State as they stay a half game back of the Houston Cougars. Now, as we roll on through this uh, Saturday that was in the Big 12, this game, I admit I watched from afar, Texas blowing out West Virginia, and that's because, well, the game was on Longhorn Network, so a big double bird to the uh, Longhorn Network good riddance. Don't have to worry about that thing ever again. I think if I saw it right, that was the last game ever, uh, last basketball game at least ever on Longhorn Network. So good riddance to that trash. It is gone. Sayonara. See you later. And um, don't have to worry about that anytime soon. But didn't miss much. Texas Tech, I mean, blew the doors off of West Virginia, put up 55 in the first half. Dylan DeSue had himself a career night, 7-10 from three-point range, 27 points. All the starters were in double figures for Texas. So uh, start to finish, it was a route. And I guess if there's a game that's ever going to be on Longhorn Network that we're going to miss out on, this is not the worst one to have. So West Virginia continues its trend of really good play at home, struggling on the road. And for Texas, believe it or not, they had had the opposite problem. They've been better on the road than they've been at home. So that was a big win for them. And now for Texas, they head into their bye week before they go on the road to Houston next Saturday. So that's one of the circle. That's a, uh, that's a noon tip on CBS. Okay. All right. I can get behind that. That's going to be pretty fun. CBS, Texas at Houston next Saturday. Sign me up when we're going into a post-football world after uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Meantime, we got three games we got to dive into here. Uh, Let's do it. Let's start with Texas Tech beating UCF. Oh, let me note this too. Before I tell you about this game, I went two and one on my bets on Saturday. And I'm not giving you picks going into every Saturday. I could do it. I threw it up on the message boards. If you're not on our Big 12 message boards, make sure you hop on there. Go to HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Click on the members forum tab, sign up. It's free. Great way to interact with a bunch of Big 12 fans, myself included. I gave you three games, three picks I liked for Saturday. I gave you TCU plus seven and a half or eight and a half. Missed that. I gave you Texas Tech and UCF under 137 points. Nailed that. And then the last game I gave you that I liked was Baylor plus seven and a half at Kansas. And I got in on the seven and a half before it was announced that McCullough was out. So two and one on the picks. I'm going to start popping those up on the message boards, maybe on Friday night, um, just to get some more traction going on there and just just make it fun. You know, I, I the basketball lines don't get released till the night before. They move so quickly. So it's hard to do this on like football where you can kind of build it throughout the week. But I'm going to pop those up on the message boards. Went 2-1 and on Saturday uh, with my picks. And for those of you asking who are watching, yes, I'm on the Chiefs money line today. You can see it on my vest here in Kansas City. Go Chiefs. I can't believe I get Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the better defense as an underdog in a game they've been in four times in the past five years. Like, I don't know what I'm missing in Vegas, but sign me up for that. I'm also leaning under the 47 and a half is where I would go with this game. So do with that information what you want. Maybe you put them together as a parlay and have a little fun. There you go. So, uh, and by the way, if you're just joining us on YouTube, subscribe, hit the thumbs up, makes a huge difference. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for being here and on the podcast, leave that five-star rating and uh, review. So uh, next up, UCF, Texas tech, red Raiders get a 66 to 59 win. You know, My questions for Texas Tech a few weeks ago are starting to get answered. And I mean that in a positive way. If you told me Pop Isaacs and Joe Toussaint go a combined 5 of 23 shooting, I say Tech loses any game where those two guys can't buy a bucket. Pop finishes with 7 points, Toussaint with uh, 11. Well, they're getting what they need from other players. And that was the question all along. Is this team just truly pop Isaacs as pop goes, the team goes when you've got, you know, double doubles and and relatively quiet double doubles. I will add from Darian Williams, who's capable of doing this every night. And then you're also getting continued quality production and output from Warren Washington, double double for him as well. That opens things up for Texas Tech. I mean, Washington who had himself a tough night having to go up against a a UCF team that is going to pound you on the boards. I mean, that's what they do. Texas Tech, when you look at Texas Tech, they're one of the worst rebounding teams in the Big 12 in conference play. And what did they do? They out-rebounded a tough UCF team that in conference play only trails Houston and Cincinnati with rebounds per game. UCF wants to slow it down, slug it out, beat you on the boards. And in many respects, that's the kind of game it turned into, and Texas Tech was able to win it. They were able to beat them on the boards because of Williams and Washington down low, and that's even with guys like Pop Isaacs and Joe Toussaint not having great games. Now, we know that UCF struggles to score the ball. I mean, that's been the case all season long, but they got the pace they wanted, and Texas Tech outslugged them. And if you're a tech fan, you got to feel good about that coming out of that game. Even though, I mean, you're you're gonna say, well, it's UCF. We were supposed to win. The spread was, I think, five, five and a half. Yeah, but still, UCF has played some good basketball this year. UCF has has done well. I mean, let's not let's not act like um, UCF is the doormat that we thought they were going to be. That's not what they are by any stretch. So that's a gritty win for Tech, and they were not caught looking ahead. To KU and Kevin McCullough's return on big Monday. So that's a big deal there. Two games we got to dive into. I wish I had my red solo cup here, but I don't. I just have this glass of water. Um, but uh Oklahoma honoring Toby Keith. Everybody had their red solo cups. It was hilarious to see Porter Mosier like going to the sidelines, taking a sip of water out of a red solo cup. It's just, I don't know. Anytime I see a red solo cup, I obviously assume it's a frat party and someone's got beer in it. So to see Porter Mosier go to the sidelines, you know, between commercial breaks and sip his water out of his red solo cup was pretty damn funny. And I appreciated that out of him. But uh, it was Bedlam. Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State 66 to 62. And, you know, Oklahoma State had opportunities at the end of this game and they missed their own opportunities. And that's one of those things where if you're an Oklahoma State fan, some of this at some point has to come down to the coaching where you just say to yourself, What exactly are we doing here? I want to pull up. There was one play in particular in that second half with maybe a minute left. And Javon Small, you know, when I when I look at Javon Small, he's the engine that drives the Cowboys offense. So it's not a knock on him. He led the team in scoring. He had himself a good night. But, you know, there was a moment in this game. I want to say it was about 30 seconds left. Oklahoma is up by one. Javon Small takes it down the court and he throws up. they, They let the shot clock go all the way down and he throws up a long contested step back two pointer with a hand in his face. And I'm like, what are you doing? You guys just burnt 25 seconds off the clock. There was no offensive set. And the best play you're getting from Javon Small is a step-back contested long two. I mean, one of the worst shots in all of basketball. Contested, foot on the line, two-pointers. Straight on. At some point, you got to look at that and say, okay, Mike Boynton, you're a great guy, but that is a garbage draw. And if the guys aren't listening to you then that's a whole separate story. But Oklahoma State had opportunities to win this game and they literally just could not get it done. They could not complete that comeback and they end up losing 66 to 62 in a game that Oklahoma desperately needed. They honored Toby Keith of course after he passed away on Monday night. They've won a couple games in a row. Have the Sooners, BYU and Oklahoma State. It gets much tougher this week when the Sooners go to Baylor and then host Kansas on Saturday. That is brutal. And by the way, you look at OU's schedule coming up for the next five games, our ranked teams. At Baylor, home to Kansas, at Oklahoma State, at Iowa State, home to Houston. That is as tough as it gets in any five-game stretch in the country. So OU is sitting there six and five in the league. They're only a couple of games back, so like they're in the conversation. Do I think they're going to be in two weeks? No, I don't. But they're there, and Porter Moser should feel pretty good about where things stand right now. And last but not least, it was the final game of the night. It was um, BYU beating Kansas State seventy-two to sixty-six. Now. Uh, Some of you are, and where did I see this? This was early on on the chat. Uh, Pete, how about the Marriott Center atmosphere? It looked amazing. Amazing. Before I get to the game, let me say this. I wrote about this on Sunday morning at heartlandcollegesports.com. The atmosphere at BYU versus an unranked Kansas State team compared to Utah's atmosphere at home against a top 10 Arizona team from Friday night. It's night and day. Yet it's a loud portion of Utah fans who are already bitching and moaning about the Big 12 tournament being in Kansas City and not Las Vegas. It's like, guys, you don't even show up to your own arena for a top 10 Arizona team. And we're supposed to move the entire Big 12 footprint to Vegas for you? Are, like, is that a joke? And I love the utah fans who are looking forward to being in this conference but that's kind of stuff is ridiculous i please the self importance is off the charts you guys drew 10,000 in a 15,000 seat arena for utah arizona byu was almost at capacity for unranked kansas state and looked like it was on fire on saturday night so man i mean i'm i'm watching from afar, and I'm seeing this BYU team continue to find ways to win that don't necessarily include them just having to go bombs away from three-point land. Traore continues to just make his presence felt, and he has been a guy who I know BYU fans, you guys have been great in terms of kind of catching me up on him and his history, but since he's returned and gotten to full health, he has gone double digits every time. He's been on the verge of a double-double seemingly every game. He finished with 14-8 and eight on Saturday against K-State. And, I mean, it was a lot of fun to watch him and just watch this team put together a very solid victory over a Kansas State team that, you know, yes, was coming off a big win against Kansas, but had time to prepare for this game. So, All in all, I mean, you know, Tyler Perry struggled. That was a a tough spot for Kansas State. Tyler Perry, oftentimes, how he goes, goes K State. And he had himself a a rough night in this game after basically clinching and leading this team to a win on Monday night against KU. And that snapped a, a streak where he had double digits in three straight games. He was averaging over his last three games over 20 points a game. And he was held to nine on Saturday against BYU. So, Um, BYU gets a very good win They continue to put themselves In a position where you know they're in the middle Of the pack in this conference that's what you would expect And I I don't know We'll see if they stay ranked on Monday They lost to OU they beat Kansas State a K-State team coming off A win over KU I'd leave them in the top 25 If I had an AP vote And I you know I think they should stay right in that 20 to 25 Range I would see no reason to move them based on the week that they just had. So uh, BYU has gotten through some tough parts of its schedule, by the way. When you look at what's to come, though, at Oklahoma State, home to Baylor next Saturday, excuse me, um, home to UCF, at Oklahoma State on Saturday, home to Baylor, at K-State, at KU. So that Baylor, K-State, KU, three-game stretch is going to be very tough. And we'll learn a lot about BYU as well as we uh, head down the home stretch of this Big 12 basketball season. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports is where you find us covering the Big 12. Join those free members' forums as well. We'll look forward to seeing you guys on there. Sign up, it's free. If you are on YouTube and you are watching and you have not done it yet, subscribe to this channel, hit that like button, it helps us tremendously as this show keeps growing, and it's because of you. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me get to some of your comments here. Uh, Pete, Utah fans are ungrateful. Well, listen, I'm going to judge them as we get to know them more here as the season goes along. Uh, Cyclones win the Big 12. That's from Matt. They're a half game back. That's not a hot take. But, you know, they got a huge game. At Houston next Saturday, that'll determine that. So that's going to be fun to watch. Donald says, go Chiefs. That's right. Go Chiefs, baby. That's going to be fun. Uh, Go Cyclones and 49ers. Hey, I saw the Brock Purdy gear out in full force from you guys on Saturday in Ames during that TCU game. The Brock Purdy merch was all over Ames and Hilton Coliseum. That was awesome. So good for you. Listen, if you get an Iowa State quarterback to win a freaking Super Bowl, That does wonders for Matt Campbell's recruiting. All right, let's let's not forget now. Joy McGuire is getting Patrick Mahomes' money, like literally. Mahomes obviously gives back to Texas Tech. Brock Purdy's making eight hundred grand in San Fran. I mean, that's like making eighty grand in Ames. So he ain't rich yet. But if he wins a Super Bowl, the endorsements are going to start coming. Um, The contract at some point is going to get ripped up. And Brock Purdy is going to find himself a very wealthy man. But I, what I love about Brock Purdy is seeing his family. You know, they've been showing his family in the stands since he was a freshman at Iowa State, and he took over as quarterback, right? And to see his mom and dad, and I don't know him at all from a hole in the wall, but to see his mom and dad still cheering for him, like he's you know the sophomore in high school. Going back to his days in Arizona, it's just a lot of fun. They're an easy family uh, to root for. And obviously, I'm on the Chiefs. I've got my Chiefs gear on here in Kansas City. But uh, Brock Purdy is a very likable guy. But of course, today, I hope he gets absolutely smoked. (laughs) And I'll leave it at that. You guys are great. Thank you for being here. And uh, we will be following and and joining you for what is going to be a great day and a great week, I should say, of Big 12 basketball. I'm Pete Mundo. Subscribe. Hit that five-star on the podcast. We love you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.